What's happening? Welcome to another episode of the Mark Gross Podcast. I am in your ear again for another week. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This week I was actually thinking about how fun it's been to record this podcast and actually how long I delayed launching it. Just, you know, when you're like, yeah, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next week. And it's actually been rather easy to do. And I get to every week have conversations with amazing people about amazing subjects, and I learn as I go, too. So, you know, if you're delaying launching anything, if you're delaying starting anything, I promise you that you just need to start. That has been true of everything that I've created in my life, and you just got to start. And, you know, we often get so worried that, like, oh, well, I don't know what step two, step three, step four is. I just... It doesn't matter. Just start with step one, and if that's not the right direction, which you only learn by taking it, then you go to the next step. And most people go, well, that's starting over. No, it's not. That's step two, actually. See? See what I did there? So whatever you're delaying, begin. Begin now. And just amazing things come from following our hearts, following our dreams. And, you know, people told me that all the time before I started writing and speaking and teaching on relationships. And Bam! Here I am now, having fun, doing it, and constantly expanding. And this path has taken me down some really just, you know, I've met the most amazing people, and I've ended up in the craziest places, and at the craziest events, and with the craziest synchronicities. And I was walking, I did a wanderlust in Whistler, and this was about two years ago that I was at the first one that I went to. And I wasn't actually speaking. I was just there because my, my friend was working the event. So I go to the speakeasy, which is where all the speakers hang out. And I walk in and no one's in there. Or sorry, it's not where the speakers hang out. It's where all the speaking events are. And I walk in there where my friend is and there's not a speaker on at the time. And I see a couple uh, lovely ladies sitting on the stage and Kai and I walk in and I sit on the stage beside one of uh, beside those ladies and one of them happens to be Sherry Salata. Now Sherry Salata worked with Oprah for I believe it was around 25 years. She was the executive producer of Oprah. She created the book club. I mean this woman is just freaking amazing and she was the president of Harpo Studios. She just had a book come out which we talk about um, in this episode and so I don't want to delay it because honestly, Sherry is one of my favorite people and you're going to love her. And she has just gone, she's had the most cool, the coolest life. She has created so much amazingness in her life. And who else to talk to than someone who has literally hung out with the big O, the Oprah, and then, you know, got like Eckhart and Deepak on speed dial. So... You know, man, but before we begin, if I could ask you one favor, if you could go to wherever you listen to this podcast and give it a five-star review and a written review, that really helps with me. And if you could share it with anyone you think uh, might enjoy an episode, do a little screen cap of your podcast listening on your iPhone or your Android or wherever and share it on your Instagram stories and tag me, that would be amazing. And... Thank you. That's that's one way that really helps me um, be supported in providing you with this content. So without further ado, though, Sherry Salata and this week's the podcast episode. 
Sherry Salata. Yeah, I am so excited to be able to jam with you. We love each other so much. Oh, we do. I feel like we were best friends the moment we sat on a stage uh, just casually and chatted. Like soulmate friends. It really was. Like I can almost remember you walking up to me and we started to talk and I'm like, I like him so much. (laughs) And now here we are. I felt the same way. I was just like, man, this is soul sister. We just vibe. Yeah, we do. So... You know, the context of how, uh, you know, the the podcast, my work, blah, 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 is all in that context of relationship. And, you know, of course, stepping outside of romantic, because that's where people obsess, yep. but really sort of miss the, the core idea of it being about self. And um, you and I have had so many endless conversations about that discovery of like what that's it right. means to be human. And I mean, you've been you've lived a life, you know, a really beautiful, wonderful life. And your book, for those of you listening, Sherry just just published today that we're recording this. Uh, it just came out for sale, The Beautiful No. Yep. And that book, I, I mean, I'm about midway through it. And I'm just, it feels so much about this journey of unfolding, this allowing, this surrendering, this new beginnings, these endings. Well, thank you for that. Yes, it is. It it is that. It is that, and and it is. It really is, Mark. And you're going to so appreciate this as a prolific writer. I'm really talking to myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm telling these stories about myself for myself, and if they're resonant, then I am deeply appreciative. And of course, I hope the book does well. Um, but my work is done, pretty much. You know, um, there are. There are ways that we all kind of take that journey, that that path to find out what is the life of our dreams. And I thought I kind of knew that, but man, I was living in so much unconsciousness that really like sitting down and using language and words and that experience of writing, even though I'm not a journal keeper, really, um, was, was very powerful for me. Like to see your life begin to be reflected back to you and deciding that you're going to be brave enough to walk into the unlived parts of it is something. Well, in, in I guess, uh, acknowledging what are the unlived parts, is there a certain, because uh, there's moments in your book where you, uh, where you talk about, where you're really connecting to the like absolute rawest truth of your experience. Right. And in reading your words, I think it's, maybe I'm especially blessed because I know you, but I, I don't know. I, I, I sort of tried to take that eye of like, if I didn't know Sherry, how would I feel reading this? And I felt so connected to you that like I was part of the emotional experience you were going through in the book and the reconciliation to like, what is actually the truth of the life you've lived? Right. Right. Because for many, many years, it was very easy to kind of, um, once, once I landed that Oprah Winfrey show entry level job and, and for, you know, a lot of people think I was hatched from an egg from college and I strolled right over to paradise. But I, I started at Oprah when I was 35 in an entry level job at an entry level ish salary. So and and I and I felt like I'd won the Powerball lottery. 
because by that time I knew, oh my God, I'd had so many rocky roads. I'd been broke so many times. I had so many jobs that didn't suit me that I knew I weren't the thing, but I was trying to make it work that I knew once I got there that writer, producer, promos, I was doing promos, but once I walked in and breathed that air that was so steeped in meaning and intention, mm-hmm. then I knew, like, check that box. And of course, you know, it's very validating to work for Oprah Winfrey. And especially at the time, you know, the number one show, like almost in the freaking world, wow. it was super validating. And so I could say, look, 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 I've done it. I have a successful life. Um, and, and, I got a lot of validation, external validation for that. And it allowed me, the other things that I found difficult, loving myself, loving men, um, you know, taking care of myself, like really treasuring and honoring myself. I could like kind of shove that all aside as I was producing shows about it (laughs) and knowing it was going to help the world. It's It's a funny paradox. When I sit back and look at it now, it's kind of a bit of a tangle. It's interesting, yeah, to be focused on everyone else's self-love journey and their own personal dreams and to, in a way, be living your dream, but in some ways, compromising yourself in order to do it, like really abandoning your, like, deepest core needs, perhaps, in order to live what, was it that it was an outwardly, because of course it's inwardly rewarding to be part of all those conversations, but was it also because it was what everyone else might consider an outwardly uh, high level of success? Well, you know, listen, there's no question I was looking for external validation. I hadn't um, understood that internal journey. But I will also say, I think it's a bit generational. I'm older than you are. And, you know, I was not raised for self-care. Self-care was like a bunch of selfish hoo-ha. So um, you, 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 you're in service. You're in service to others. You got to care what other people think. You got to be a pleaser. It's a, it's a very different way of being raised than people 10 and 20 years younger than me um, were raised. So I, it wasn't just the job, although... Your, your right to tap into that validation. It was, I, I think if I would, would have been a stay-at-home mom, I'd have done the same thing. Yeah. I, I would have been the president of the PTA, bossing everybody around, putting on the shows, doing the bake sales and all that, and to the exclusion of what I needed to be doing for myself because that was something to avoid. It was too hard. So in the, where was the breaking point? Like when do you go from being at, cause you worked at Oprah for how long? Almost 21 years. Yeah. yeah. And you, you know, at the end were running the whole thing and then went in and to the O network. Like, do you want to explain to people what sort of. Yeah. That- so I was the last executive. Pro- so I started an entry level job. I, Thing I got promoted and put into different jobs, and then Oprah shocked me and made me the last executive producer of the Oprah show. So that was the last five years, right to the last show. And then um, uh, the EVP at the time, Eric and I, um, she asked us to go over to own to to co-president Harpo Studios and go over to own and and help her with um, with raising that that network up. And you know. What is it? You know, I mean, 
here's the truth. At a certain point, you're going to have to tend to the unlived areas of your life. And I remember, you know, Nancy Hala, um, uh, my, my business partner, the co-host of the Sherry and Nancy show, our podcast, you know, we, we did a lot of Chardonnay backyard sessions where it's like, is, you know, is that all there is? Is that all there is, Nancy? I had this, you know, superstar, fabulous career. Um, and, and for her, it was, you know, I've raised these two amazing human beings as a single mom. And now what? And, you know, as we began to like talk about what happens if this is the middle of our lives and not, we're not just, you know, waiting, letting the clock run out to the end. And then you start thinking about what are your real dreams? What are the dreams you haven't made come true? What, what is, what's, what's the stuff you have to excavate? You know, what, what's next for you? And for me, I think there was a bit of a terror, honestly. I didn't want my glory days to be behind me. Hmm. I wanted them to be in front of me. And in that time, I guess how you define glory days is so important. Yeah, it's very different. You know, glory days, you know, and, and maybe people, people may say it's easy for you to say you had the external accomplishment. And maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. But you really can't delay and you can't continue to put off to the end of time if you want to live the life of your dreams, if you want the joy ride, that it is an internal job. It is, it is having a full integrated life mm-hmm. where there are no corners that are unlived. And at the end of the day, Mark, as you teach and you well know, it is about really understanding that the person that walks this earth that needs to love and cherish you most is you. Mm, amen. And I, I, I think about what you just said about the idea that um, perhaps because you already had all those things, it's, I, I actually think that's more validating of your story and your experience because it's like everyone who might be trying to achieve whatever external validation means or whatever their Oprah Winfrey show job is, whatever theirs is, whatever everyone taught them they should want that they're trying to achieve. Everyone learns that when you finally get that thing, it never feels like you thought it did because nothing changes inside of you. Right. right? Like that all of a sudden you might get the relationship or get the job, but if you lose those things and they're the thing that provides you your worth and your joy, then all of a sudden you realize that you've been sort of externally contracting your, your, your feelings about yourself. Well, yes, and particularly for people in the middle of life, so that's a little bit older than you, 40s, 50s, and 60s, so let this be a cautionary tale, you've been raised by people who care what other people think. Yes. In a big, huge way. Way more than what you should think about yourself. Absolutely. Like what you think about yourself, pish posh, you know, what, what other people, what other people think about you, that's the money. And I know I, I would say that I live my life uh, that way for a really long time that, you know, if somebody's proud of me, then I'm proud of me. If someone thinks I did a good job, then I think I did a good job. And that is still is a, a work in progress to kind of, um, repattern those pathways of, of reaction for me. 
that really say, but what do you think? What do you think, Sherry? Um, I remember, you know, Gary V, right? Yeah. That madman. <laughs> that guy. He, 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 palms. I know. I know. He posted something this one day and it said, you know, love yourself first. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the second part of it was love yourself most. And it brought me to my knees, my metaphoric knees, because love yourself first is almost a little bit of a cliche now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're all like, we pay lip service to it. Yes, yes, yes. You know, put the love mask yourself. Put the mask on yourself first, blah, blah, blah. But love yourself most. I got to tell you, in my quest to manifest that partner and the love life of my dreams, that feels like a little secret key that needed to come and unlock something in me. Because once I, 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 I like, I'm like, love yourself most, love yourself most. And what became clear to me is, If I could practice that, practice becoming aligned with that idea and practice it so much so it was an authentic feeling, then I would never need anybody else to make me feel lovable. Mm. Yeah, you wouldn't seek them from that space. No, because I would always be so deeply and most loved that I'm truly coming to any romantic relationship as an equal. And I think that, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. I was thinking like what's so powerful about that is normally people seek relationship unconsciously in order to validate that they're worthy of being loved. If you choose me, that's evidence that I'm worthy of being chosen. And you hear that in all the narratives, especially of um, older generations and my generation of like, why are you single? Why, you know, like, because you don't have that, then there must be something going on or wrong with you. Listen, even as you're saying that, there's, there's a, some shadow beliefs in me that still believe that's true, that I'm working through, that, that you know, there, there is an anointing that happens. I mean, I know the times that I have felt loved by a, a, a man partner that I'm like, I feel my step is, I'm a little snappier and all of a sudden life, the colors are a little in the sky or, you know, bluer and the greens in the trees are greener. And, you know, and I feel prettier and I feel more interesting. And, you know, I think the trick is if, if, if we need to be anointed from an external place, which I'm sure has been part of my love pathology, then you're always on the hunt. You're always on the hunt for who can anoint you and make you the queen of your castle. And, you know, that is a very precarious, precarious position, which is why I think in many ways I checked out of it. You know, then it's like, well, I don't need anybody. You know what I mean? It's the, it's the opposite. Yeah, it goes from that <laughs> You're life. You're not going to make me the queen of my castle. You know, so it's, 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 it's very fucked up. And when I can't come, when I come and circle back around to, okay, let's, let's really talk about what loving yourself most means. What does that look like? How, what kind of care are you taking? How are you having your own back? How are you becoming a trustworthy steward of your own well-being? Those are the things that interest me now. Do you think that because you were able to, because you achieved so much from like a professional perspective, 
do you think, because, because you were talking about the pressure in the generations before you, that there was no such thing as self-love. It was all about other, 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 because you achieved so much in your career, did that cause people to not also put that pressure of where's your relationship? Why are you not married? All those types of questions. Or did you still get those despite? Cause you know, people would obviously be like, but she's crushing it at Oprah. She's working her ass off there. She doesn't have space for a relationship. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing I hid behind for sure. You know, I, and it would be like, you know, you know, that it would say anybody who knew me was Sherry and their next words would be, she's so busy. Mm. You know, she's so busy. She's so busy. And, um, here's the truth. Even for, for when when you have a big all consuming that requires a lot of you, um, career situation, you're not spending all your hours there. You know, there, you know, because in order to deal with what I was not willing to deal with, then there's all those mind numbing things that have to happen, you know, that you choose to happen. It was like, you know, um, I mean, now I almost can't even believe that these were my coping mechanisms. It doesn't even sound like me, but like the TV would be on all the time. And with no regard for what I was allowing in my space or what the content was, just, it was like company. It was like busy, energetic company. I, I smoked like a chimney. That was almost wow. like, like my breath work. Oh yeah. That was your breath work. That was my <laughs> breath work because it would require a slow, a slow down, a breath in, a breath out. <laughs> it was my breath work. I love it. Oh, it was your yoga. Yeah. It totally was. And, you know, um, the, you know, it's, it's all those things. It's cheese, it's Chardonnay. It's, you know, it's things that you're just like piling on to just calm and soothe your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And those were having, you know, that was, those were in those hours when I could have been choosing the other things that are so life giving and that like fire up the life force and, you know, that was, that was, those were some of the patterns I was stuck in. Yeah. My friend was talking about this concept that when our motivations come from our wounds or our need to be loved, that it's more of like a dark motivation and it can be very, it can be productive, right? We can change worlds with dark motivation, but there's some point it has to switch to light motivation, which has more, um, like the coping mechanisms for dark motivation are things like cigarettes, alcohol, cheese, you know, I love cheese. So let's not throw that in there. Chocolate. <laughs> but when it's light motivation, then the coping mechanisms become integration sort of related. So like meditation, yeah. nutrition, exercise. And I'm like, that's so true that like dark motivation for sure caused me to begin because I was like, let me prove to everybody that relationships are fucked up and we need yeah. to them out. But then it was like, at some point I had to come from this place of love because if I didn't, I wasn't loving my own failures or, or, That's right. you know, I'd like to look at that as growth, yeah. you know, whatever gets you going on the path, like whether you're, you're mad or you're, you're in revenge or betrayal, you, you know, it gets you on the path, but you're right. At, at a certain point you have to make that shift. And at a certain point, a person who wants to live the life of their dreams stops saying that the things that are really great for them, that make them feel good, that elevate their lives are hard. Mm. You stop saying that. And, and you stop saying that and you stop believing that, you know, uh, that, that you can't do it 
you know, it's this thing that you and I had a wine sodden conversation at my house in LA one night. And um, it was really quite an amazing conversation. But I said to you this, I have had a seat watching all the experts go by me. And I love so many of them. Some of them are my dearest, closest friends. And I'm meeting new experts like you all the time. And I love, love, love you because I love an expert. But at the end of the day, your job is to make yourself obsolete. Yeah. I remember when you said that to me, I was like, my mind was just. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I spent most of my life being a seeker. And even before the Oprah show, I was up and down those self-help books shelves in bookstores left and right buying every diddly do that anybody would write because I was like what's my I was looking I was seeking 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 what's the answer what's the program what's the message what's the language that would resonate with my heart that would help me kind of begin to pull things together and all that is great but at the end of the day, you must pull the wisdom from across the board, from the, the, the experts and, and, and their language that resonates with you. You must come become the capital E expert of your own life. Well, and you know that I remember that conversation so vividly because it really caused me to start to realize that these people like myself, like your former self too, of I wanted to just consume voraciously to find the answer, the thing. And I really realized that we're not these problems that are waiting to be fucking solved. Like what happens if we stop walking around thinking we need to find the missing piece and figure out why we're so fucking flawed that it's like, you're actually not. And maybe the only value, I remember you said, I remember you saying vividly though, that I asked, you know, out of all the people that you've met and talked to and all the Chopras and the Toles and the, you know, it's like out of all of them, like which one or what is the common message that you hear from all of them? And you said to me, um, the one thing I realized from all of them is that you don't need any of them, Yeah, but you need them to remind you that you don't. Yes. I mean, they have a great value. I mean, I, I was raised Catholic. How hey, are you? Recovering yeah. Catholic as well. So, you know, I, I knew very early on, I'm like, this is not my jam. There was guitar mass and I played acoustic guitar with the older kids. So that held my interest for a while. But once I got to college, I was like, mm, I'm not doing this anymore. It just wasn't, it wasn't my path. It wasn't my language. And I, I wanted a more intimate experience of the force you know, of the universe. And so I, I walked the, you know, and, and, you know, I got, I got, I got led to things like Wayne Dyer led to Louise Hay led to, you know, this and that. I I think that the thing that rocked my world, um, that, that was the first time I went, Oh my God, was Marianne Williamson's a return to love her first book. And the idea of love as a, as both the, the path and the destination stirred something in me. Like I was like, yep, yep, yep. Okay. Okay. Now, now I'm in the arena. Now at least I'm in the land that I belong in. There's something there. And, you know, then it was like feeling my way through like Deepak and seven spiritual laws of success. Oh, that book was a clincher. Oh, I mean, I go, I return to it all the time because it, it is, it's, it's, it's simplicity is its beauty. 
but it's super, super powerful and exactly how to, how to live a, a happy life. And, and, you know, one thing leads to another, but as I watched everybody go by, I thought, oh, this is why this is happening. Because we're all getting toward a light, enlightenment at our own pace, in our own time. But there is no question that almost every single person is saying something very similar. Mm-hmm. Truth. Different words, very similar, um, different interpretations when it goes through our man-made construct, but it's all very, very similar. And then, then when you like really continue on and, you know, you, you, you expand your sense of what's, what's really going on, you see, oh, I'm the one who's supposed to be my own guide. Mm-hmm. my intuition, my heart, my snowing, my spirit. I'm to connect through the best means possible. Like for me, I feel most connected when I meditate regularly. Then I have the answers that I'm in co-creation with the universe. And, and you know, that's when things get really fun. Yeah. So in this journey of like when, because I feel like there's always a breakdown before there's a, yeah. so like, when did you go from from executive producer to own network Harper Harper Studios president to then like retire? Was it the retirement or the like stepping back? That well, no, because what I did was I stepped up to become an entrepreneur of my own thing. So it was, but but you know, here's what it was. It, there there was a great sense of fear that. If I did not, if I did not grasp my my life with my own hands and fully inhabit all of it as best I could, I would never have the life of my dreams. I would have only had the career of my dreams. And that was, you know, I, I thought, you know, I'd sit with that thinking about how are you gonna feel about that at the end? You know, how are you gonna feel about that at the end? And as I would talk to women who raised children, there, there was a similar theme. Like I devoted my life to my children. I was completely on the back burner. I, was, I wasn't able to figure the integrated life out at the time. And I, you know, I had one great thing and now, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't feel sure. I don't have the confidence. I don't know what's next for me. And you know, the idea that every day you wake up, Every day you get another chance. That's your new day. That's your new life. That's your new world. And it is never too late to make it happen. It's never too late to live the life of your dreams. And that concept, that belief changes everything. One, that is such an invitation to a reclaiming, or maybe it's not even a reclaiming. It's maybe the first time someone might ever claim their own passions, their own needs, their own wants, right? Like, because it's been about, you know, like if, if, if growing up, it was never about us. We were told you're selfish, you're needy, you're too much, you're right. Like all of those things, like as you were saying, that's, there was no self-love. And, and even in a lot of places, oh, now it still is often considered selfish for those who still live by the old models. 
That's right. And then if you, if you think of all the offerings of life, love, partnership, um, you know, creativity, um, success, money, all of it as a big life's big buffet, you know, for, for much, many of us, you know, coming up a certain way, it's like you can take one main and two sides and that's it. (laughs) You know, that's it. That's it. You don't overload your plate. You know, there's a, there's a scarcity mentality there. And, and, and you have to really kind of, you have to overcome that. You know, I remember, you know, even, I, I remember even my own old former boss would say, well, you can't have it all at the same time. And I used to think, really? Because I, I, I'm a quantum believer. Yeah. I'm a quantum believer. I think you can have exactly what you want. I 100% agree. And the price for that, the price for having exactly what you want is happiness. It is that compassionate commitment to optimism and happiness. And that is like, that is the road. That is the road to having everything you want. When, of course, to have everything you want, you have to let go of everything you don't. And I think that's where people get really stuck because they think they have to hold on to things that are really hard and have to uh, settle, have to um, suffer, you know, because we've also created this, like, you don't do a job you love. You do a job that takes care of people. You do a job that pays the bills. You don't, you know, you don't, you have, you, you, if you want to wake up, it's got to hurt, you know, like yeah. all these different thoughts. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's, you know, we could spend the rest of our lives kind of excavating, untangling those, or we have to decide now to overlay that foundation with new beliefs, new attitudes, new energy. And, 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 and the way we do that is with practice. You know, I, it's not, it's not like I can wake up and go, I love myself most. I love myself most. I love myself most. But it's like, I, 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 I ruminate on it. I ruminate on, it and I think, what does that mean? What does it mean? How does well, someone do that? I think, I think it means lots of things. I think it doesn't just mean looking in the mirror and going, good morning, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit of, like I had an incident not too long ago where um, I didn't want to do something and there was a lots of pressure for me to do it, especially, you know, I'm in a book launch and people have money invested and it's a big thing and I didn't want to do something. And, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, you know, why? And it's like, because I don't want to do it. Like I'm going to have my own back here. I love myself most here. I know it feels good to me. I know it matters to me. And I will tell you, I, it's not sell books at any price for me. Mm-hmm. So, so it's those kinds of things. It's like, I won't, I won't get in an order to make other people happy. I, will, I am not willing to sacrifice myself. And then, and as I make those kinds of decisions and stand in opposition to what other people are wanting me to do, then I can kind of feel like, yeah, you can trust yourself, girl. And you know, you're first there, you know, you're like, yes, yes, that's right. And so, you know, I, I continue to play with that, Mark. It's like, you know, it's all the things. It's the meditation. It's the mindfulness. It's the self-care. It's, um... Uh, not scheduling myself until my brains are coming out of my ears. It's 
feeling okay doing nothing, feeling really luxurious about doing nothing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm building a garden. Well, I'm having it built. And then I will be, and then I will be out there and I'll be gardening. And, and I, it's like, I want to grow my own salads. That's I, awesome. I want that feeling of connectivity in my life. I want to like, so I'm just trying new things. And, and that feels like a love myself most kind of moment. You know, I moved to a place I've always wanted to live and it's a very different pace. It's like, it's a world-class thing going on there. So it isn't like, you know, I'm off in the middle of nowhere, but there is a, there's a sweetness and there's a rustic quality to it. And I'm, I'm just eating it up. And that feels like loving myself most. So every, what loving yourself most, that recipe is going to look different for everybody, but you know, making myself such a priority that I'm willing to ruminate over what those things are. That's, that's the real practice. When I love, you know, in our conversations and also in your book, what I love is this um, guidance through your own story of allowing life to throw, flow through you rather than trying to resist it or trying to, because it sounds, you know, like all of the experiences that you have now come from a place of being in integrity with who you really are and being in alignment, you know, like just being in flow with yourself. Well, I mean, that, that, that is my dream now. And it's, and, and I don't always accomplish it, but when I don't, it's because I have consciously decided, you know, not chosen it and I can quickly go, Whoa, Whoa, what am I feeling right now? Let me get back to where I like to live in a place of magnetism and flow and, um, and, and that feeling of alignment and not, and, and you know where it comes up for me, anything that's connected to work. So a book launch is work, you know, a podcast is work. And I love doing those things, but when the work piece of it comes up, I can start to feel that those old habits of make it happen, make it happen, subscribers, book sales, you know, all those kinds of markers of what makes something a success. And I can feel my blood pressure rise. Yeah, I can feel my mind start to race. I can feel like my desire to like, as Nancy Hollow would say, spin up a Google Doc and get all my to-dos lined up. And that is something I have to watch really carefully. I have to say, oh, no, I've decided not to do life that way anymore. I've decided to really be in, in, in much more divine flow. So let me, let me sit back, sit back. You don't have to do everything. And then I have to really coach myself to a more, to like a, a very right place of allowing, allowing people to help me, allowing people to support me, allowing, you know, the universe to deliver synchronicity and opportunity at just the right time and knowing it's coming and saying yes to that, being more in a dance with life instead of always being the woman who has to lead. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like actually creating that space for people to step into and hold up the world with you. Yeah. Do you find, like in your, the title of your book, The Beautiful No. Yeah. It, what, where did that come from? Like for the people listening, what has been sort of like, uh, is that the greatest transformation of, of well, life? Well, I, I chose it as my title story because I loved the title. 
you know, the beautiful no, because it's, you know, it's a paradox and it's interesting and it, it sparks that very question. What is a beautiful no? Well, you know, it could be lots of things. It's learning how to say no, learning how to set boundaries. But in my, in my book, my story is, it's the story of how I got that entry level job at Oprah. And basically right before I got that job, I got a big, huge rejection at, at, at a fancy advertising agency where when I went in for the interview, he all but hired me in the room. For, and I was broke. I was broke. I had been freelancing. I was terrible at freelancing. And it was a big job, big senior job with big, huge money, big prospects. Like, that's going to be your path, Sherry. And, you know, I, I left the interview. I'm like, well, he said, I'm in. I'm on the team. And I, now I just have to wait for the call. And uh, he's dead now. So, you know, God bless you. God bless you, Mr. EP man. He's dead now. But um, um, I waited for the call and I waited and I, you know, that thing where you don't leave because the phone might ring and you don't want to have Back then you couldn't take your phone with you. I remember those days. Most people won't. A cell phone was the size of a pumpkin. So <laughs> Yeah, you're carrying it around. You look like a fool. Only the richest people had them. So no, I had a, a phone at home with an answering machine that had tape in it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm waiting for the call, waiting for the call, waiting for the call, not wanting to miss it. And finally, a letter arrives, a form letter from the human resources department that uh. basically says, you know, I'm sorry, we're not hiring. So it was a devastating blow. And it literally, it took me out. I was just like, well, I don't know what anybody wants from me then. If, that, if that's not going to work out, I just don't know. And it was shortly after then. Like when I tell the tale, like before I wrote the book, when I would tell the tale, it would change. Like it was in 10 minutes later or two weeks later. And I didn't keep a journal, so I don't have that time ex- exact. But a short time later, a very short time later, the phone rang. And it was a message was on my machine and it was the Oprah Winfrey show saying that they were cleaning out an old closet and found my old resume. And would I come in to freelance for them and, and cut some promos, some 30 second promos for the show. And I, I, I wasn't clever enough to, or, or spiritually astute enough to put this all together at the time. But a few years later, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my God, if I would have gotten that job, I never would have quit and left that security to go freelance at the Oprah show. Never. No. And, you know, then I wouldn't have had that amazing ride. And I remember thinking very pointedly, that is the most beautiful no I've ever gotten in my life. And furthermore, I wish at the time I knew how beautiful it was. I wish at the time I had enough faith and enough trust that all is well, that I could see even as my heart was broken and I was devastated, that I could pull myself back and say, don't waste any days of, of disappointment and heartbreak over this because you will find out why this is so beautiful and why it's so gorgeous and why it's a gift. So now when you experience, because I, I feel like that's been a huge transition for me, is I can recognize, you know, the connect the dots looking back, you know, and see the synchronicities and the serendipitous nature of life. And, you know, when you get out of the way and you let it happen and, and trust that endings are beginnings and all those things, 
is that the art then is being able to recognize in the moment and the pain of loss that you trust that something greater is unfolding? I think that is the loving yourself most alignment with the force art. And I think it's practice because even now, like when a little disappointment happens, it's like, oh, and then I'm like, like I have to call myself back to, but what do you believe? What do you believe? What you believe is that you, you are, there are just, you are in concert with these quantum mystical energetic forces and you're being guided. If you would only like quit insisting that you know better. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you've you've put your order out there energetically. You know, uh, this this loving universe knows exactly what you want, and you're kind of being guided. You know, a, a, you know as easily as you'll allow to the next right dream. And what I I realize now, Mark, is I just don't want to waste much time in that in that broken place. I just don't want to waste any more days. Why? Why? You know, I just don't want to. You know, I, don't, I just don't want to give up any more time when I know I'm going to find out. It's going to be revealed. I'm going to see why if I would have married that guy, my life would have been, I'd have been divorced a million times over. So, <laughs> and it would have been just nasty and, 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 and unhappy um, for both of us. It's like, I just want, I, I want to have that, that spiritual elevation where what I know is true and how I respond to events is um, in the same ballpark, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that ability to just continue to trust, trust, trust. Yeah, there's so many, I mean, gosh, I think about breakups and like how many months I even probably, probably, I definitely marinated in the pain of it, not realizing that there were so many opportunities for something greater unfolding that I didn't see because I was too busy listening to boys to men. <laughs> right. And, you know, important, important to process those feelings. Yeah. Important, important. There's a difference between that and deciding to make that your life for six months. Or 10 years, you know, some people forever, you know, never trust in love again, never trust in their dreams again. Like they're like, oh, I'm 50, I'm 40, I'm 60. It's too late. Holy shit. No, it isn't. No, it's not. No, it's not. But see, that's why we need people like you to kind of light the way and remind us because otherwise we all feel alone and disconnected. Like we're the only ones that, that are, are, um, have made mistakes or have been disappointed or been heartbroken or betrayed. And we end up sitting there feeling like everybody else is living an Instagram life. Yeah. Right. You know, and we're just, you know, kind of losing at this game. But kind of, it's, it's the great equalizer. Once, once I know from listening to you and other people that, oh my God, everybody feels like this. Okay. Everybody's filled with shame, humiliation, embarrassment, um, inadequacy, feelings of unworthiness. Once you say that, it kind of all gets blown up in the light, doesn't it? Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, Holy shit, I'm not the only one. None of us have a fucking clue what we're doing. But the people who pretend like they most know, I don't trust those people. I like Me the people either. 
right? I like the people who are like, my shit stinks just as much as your shit. And I'm like, see, we all have shit. That's for sure. That's for sure. Beware of the wise, wise ones. The self-titled guru is never yes. good. If you got shaman on your business card, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I want to honor the time that we have and I, I want people to be able to figure out, find out where can they find more of you? Where can they dive deeper into this journey that, because I love that you're, we're in the, like what you said, we're in the middle of the story always. Yeah. But like, how could people be, find and be inspired through your story now? Well, I mean, my goodness, please go and get my book, The Beautiful, yeah. no, the Beautiful no and Other Tales wow. of Trial, Transcendence, and Transformation. And then I did this thing. I didn't want to do a lot of these kinds of things, Mark, as you know. I, I, I don't have like courses and a million things, but I did um, work with a team and created a 64-page workbook. It's a companion workbook, and you can get it for free. When, when, when you order the book and it's, you can figure all of that out at the beautiful And then we tell you how to listen to the podcast, how to go on to the pillar life. And there's lots of bonuses and gifts and stuff like that jammed well, in it. Sherry and Nancy, their podcast is so funny. So good. Oh my you God. Are, you were a guest on the Sherry and Nancy show. And you know what? We got a lot of viewer feedback that, our listeners did not like us talking about sexual positions. Oh, really? <laughs> they loved you, but they're like, we don't really want to hear you guys talking about your favorites. And I'm like, here, here. You're like, yeah, that was uncomfortable for me too. That's a different show altogether. <laughs> well, the podcast for those listening is unbelievable. I mean, I love it. I think if you're in the middle of your story, which you are, no matter who you are, the podcast is hilarious and it's fun and it's relatable. And Yay. I just Thank love you, the work friend. you do. You are, you have been actually, you know, such a transformational force in my life. And you said one thing to me, I mean, you've said many things to me as I've already mentioned, but there was one that uh, completely shifted my perspective on something, which I said to you that I feel like every time I figure something out about myself, that another layer of the onion gets taken off, but the onion somehow gets bigger, not smaller. And you said, well, maybe you should think about that as expansion rather than an onion that you're layering to a core, that you're actually getting bigger and taking up more space. And I was like, wow, yes. Yes, and I loved, okay, here's what you said to me, as you know, um, and this was at a dinner in, at Whistler. We were at a dinner at Whistler and you said that you made a commitment, a promise to yourself to live um, at the level of your highest knowledge. Yeah. Which I, I, I say knowing, live at the level of your highest knowing. But what I love so much about that, Mark, which is why it bears repeating right this minute for everybody listening, is that it just gives you permission not to have to have everything figured out as you figure it out. But then once you figure it out, then you've got to live there. Mm -hmm. And then once you figure that out, then you got to live there. But you don't have to come out of the gate knowing how to do it all. That's part of the joy ride. That's the whole purpose of life, you know? Yeah. The whole purpose of life. So thank you so much for your time. Everyone, I love you. I love you too. Make sure everyone listening that you pick up Sherry's book and check out the podcast, thebeautifulno.com. We'll link everything out in the show notes for you listening. And Sherry, thank you so much. I love you. Give Kai my love too. I shall. I love you too. <laughs> 